If you want to be turning in your Bibles, the book of Galatians chapter 2, pick up where we left off. One thing I didn't mention a while ago, I want to ask as many of you as possibly can. <laughs> Next Tuesday, 12-12, Tuesday at 5.30 p.m., if you could just be there in support. We have the final hearing. I've been to some commissioner's hearings and those things to get the approval for the rezoning for the property, which is basically the completion of the sale of the property, which, by the way, while we're on the butt guy moments, we do have a closing date set for 1221 at 1 p.m. on the property. But there are hinges that hinge on this hearing. Um, the property has to be rezoned to be rebuilt. If it can't be rezoned, it does no good. So at any rate, I would ask you guys if you could be there. Um, I may send out an email. If you can't be there, you could send in an email of your support to the commissioners that will be hearing the case. But if you could put that on your schedule next Tuesday at 530, be at the there beside the tax office down downtown. Y'all know where all is at. Be there for the hearing on the land. This will be this will be to my knowledge. This will be the final hearing. But if you could be there to support that. I'd greatly appreciate it. Galatians chapter 2 left off last week. The focal point of this particular part of the letter right here is really Jerusalem and, and Antioch. Jerusalem being the center of Jewish Christianity and Antioch being the center of, of Gentile Christianity. In both of these places, Paul has confronted Judaism, legalism, face-to-face, -face, Paul understands the danger of allowing them to bring their legalism into the freedom that we gain through Christ. He understands that if they continue to, to bring their lies in without being rebuked, that, that they would bind people with the laws that, that we've been set free from. And, and he understands that it would steal the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Had it had it stolen in the early day of the church there when Paul is confronting and battling this along with the other apostles, but had it stolen Christianity then, it, and that was the goal, that's the purpose of the devil, it would have formed two religions. You would have had that of the Jew, you would have had that of the Gentile. It would have been different. We, we saw Paul there in our study when we did the the Acts of the Apostles, we saw how Paul fought to the end. He never gave in to the Judaizers. He never gave in to the law. And he's willing to fight to the death to protect the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, verse 1, he said, 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. The word again can also be translated Next, that's important because what Paul is making it clear, there's not any hidden trips back to Jerusalem. There's not any secret things I did. Everything is up front and out in the open. 14 years later, I went back and he says, I took Barnabas with me and, and I also took Titus with me. Barnabas is beloved by the Jews. He's beloved by the apostle. I mean, he is one, one of the end crowd, if you will. You got Titus. He is a full-blooded um, Greek Gentile, uh, and we'll look at that more, but, but there's a reason he was never circumcised because he wasn't a Jew and it just would have been giving in to the law. But, but Barnab Barnabas, he, he's a Levite. His name was, was Joseph or Joseph. We actually looked, the apostles changed his name. We saw it in Acts chapter four back when we were studying. That would have been a year and a half ago, all the way back to Acts chapter four. But it says in verse 36 that Joseph, who by the apostle was sure named 
Barnabas, that's who it's talking about, being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levi of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money and laid at the apostles' feet. So this, this is the man who they've sure named. They've changed his name to Barnabas. He sold all that he had, and, the, and it talked about others that did that. He brought the money from it, and he laid everything at, at the feet of the apostles. But that name Barnabas means son of consolation. It also means son of comfort. So you kind of get an idea of the personality of this man that Paul has traveling there with him. Barnabas also is one of the, the first ones who trusted Paul. Um, first one of the, of the in crowd of the apostle that, that believed Paul and believed his testimony. He's the one that, that brought Paul to the apostles in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, it says that he assayed, he assayed to, to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They believed not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him. Brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now, when the apostles heard that a revival had broken out up in Antioch, they sent Barnabas up there and they said, you go check it out. You go see about what we're hearing among the Gentiles at Antioch and you go see if it's true. And Barnabas went up there and it indeed was a great revival. And he's like, man, I need some help. He didn't go back to Jerusalem. He didn't go back to the apostles. He, he went back to, to Tarsus. He went looking for the apostle Paul. He went looking for somebody because he needed some, some help. And he, he believed that Paul was his man. I believe the Holy Spirit sent him to get Paul to, to bring him up. Now, Paul hasn't changed in his personality He's only changed in his conviction. He's still a type A personality. Just like he pushed against Christianity, now he's pushing for salvation and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you got to know that Barnabas knew ahead of time going and getting a type A hard-driven man like Paul means you're going to take the back seat on some things. You got to know that to go get Paul and bring him in, he went and got him for a reason. He needed somebody going to come sit on the sideline and, and give me a glass of water if I need it. I need somebody to come in here and preach the gospel. I need somebody to come and hit us on fire. I need somebody in here that's strong and solid and ain't going to bend. And so he goes and gets them and he come back. And, and so the two of them, they become the first foreign missionaries of, of the New Testament church, if you will. So, but <coughs> with, with Barnabas going and getting him and, and bringing him, it, it shows a willingness to take a back seat, if you will. To, to not mind going and getting somebody to come in and head some things up. But that, that ministry can't be about competition. Ministry's got to be about oneness. Charles Spurgeon said, it takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. It, 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 it's, it's not about first chair and second chair. It, it's not about one better or one does more. It, it's about serving to, together. And Paul says that in the letter of the church at Galatia, I went up to Jerusalem after 14 years. I took this beloved Barnabas. I took him with me and I took Titus, this uncircumcised Gentile. I took him to Jerusalem. That, that's, a, that's a big deal. He would have got a lot of sneers, a lot of looks. There, 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 there was a lot of, not just still a lot of legalism, but there was Jewish culture. So he probably wasn't overly well accepted by a lot. It, it seems kind of strange to me. I was thinking today about him. We spent two years in the Acts of the Apostles. 
And Barnabas is, is, is a big deal in Paul's life. And Titus is a big deal in Paul's life. He makes that clear here. And the fact that he carried him with him. And there's a lot of things. But it's, it's amazing that we went through all of the Acts of the Apostles. And Titus is never mentioned. I look back through that day. Not, not once does Luke mention. Matter of fact. He's not talked a lot about others. Paul talks about him the most in the second letter of the church at Corinth. I think he mentions him nine times. And here in this letter, he mentions him twice. We got him in this verse and a couple more verses later we, we see him. Second Peter mentions him one time in chapter four. But then we have a letter written by Paul to him that we call one of the pastoral epistles. It's a very important letter that we use for guidance in the church and in terms of honestly, even how we elect pastors of churches and the things that we do but i don't know it's just it's amazing that you don't even see him in acts the apostle but paul says here verse two and three he said i went up by revelation and and that's a, that's an important word communed unto communicated unto them the gospel which i preach among the gentiles but privately to them which are of reputation that's another important word lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So Paul is kind of explaining why he made this trip back to Jerusalem 14 years later. Why he went there. Paul makes it clear that he was sent by the Holy Spirit. That, that's what that word revelation means. It comes from a word that means communication from God. Paul said, I received communication from God. I was directed by the Holy Spirit. I didn't just go to Jerusalem. I didn't just decide. That's, that's where we need to be in our lives. We need to stop deciding some things and start heeding to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to start listening to that still, small voice we talked about on a couple of Sundays. We need to spend some alone time with God so we learn to recognize that voice and hear that voice and pay attention to that voice. I didn't listen to it today when it told me to go straight through Hogansville and I thought I always go through Boyd Road and that's why I had to wait on that stupid train. I'm telling you, God, God will help you even in the little things of life. You just listen. I got to the train. I thought, I knew I should have went through Hogansville. I never go through Hogansville. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, y'all believe what you want. I just believe God will guide you even in the little stuff if you just pay attention. I believe he'll guide you in your life. I believe he'll tell you where he wants you to get gas because he's got somebody there that as soon as you see him coming, you're thinking, oh, no. But they're the reason God put you there. They needed help. They needed somebody to tell them about Jesus. They needed somebody to, to, to have a smile. They, they needed something. And Paul says, I went because I was guided. I got a revelation. I got a voice from God. I was sent there by God. Now, he used this word also in it when he wrote his letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 1 and verse 17 of Ephesians. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He, he's praying that God would give us wisdom and that God would give us direction, that God would give us revelation, guidance through the voice of the Holy Spirit. So he received this direction from God to go to Jerusalem, take Barnabas and Titus with him. And that's, that's what the, the trip is, is all about. We, because of what we saw in, in the book of Acts, studying through it, and because of what we see even here in, in Galatia, because of the, the Judaizers, the, the legalistic, you, you remember the book of Acts? I think it, it was chapter 15, but remember that there were certain men when we were studying it. They, they came uh, and, and they said that they were sent 
by the apostles from Jerusalem to say that unless you were circumcised according to the law of Moses, that you could not be saved. Y'all remember that when we studied in Acts? Man, they, they, they said that they were there on behalf of the apostles. They're liars. Everything about it was a lie. The apostles didn't send them. The apostles didn't approve them going. They came from Jerusalem and thought they had a story to tell. But what they told was a lie. You didn't have to be circumcised. Circumcision is not part of salvation. And the fact the apostles sent them was, was just an, another lie. So if you remember, um, even it says that they got into an argument. There's no small dissension, whatever word they used. Bottom line, Paul and Barnabas got into a huge argument with them over that. And if you remember, it became a, such a confrontation that co confrontation they decided that they needed to go back to Jerusalem with all the apostles that they said sent them and clarify some things and find out. That's not what the apostles said. And that's not what the gospel says. Y'all remember that, right? So, that, so that, that, that was all there in Acts. But the, the problem is the devil understands that this is a crucial argument, especially in the, in the day of the beginning of the church. That's why he's trying so hard. If he can get a split between circumcision and salvation, if he can get a split between law and grace, if he can split the goodness of God, then he splits the oneness of the church. And basically, he just forms two religions, one for the Jew and one for the Gentile. But he takes out what Jesus came for. John chapter 15, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I'm known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse number 16, Jesus said, he's talking to the Jew now. He says, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Anybody raise your hand if you know what they're talking about. You. You look in the marriages, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the Gentile world. There's some other sheep. They're not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That's what the devil's trying to stop. The, the one fold and the one shepherd, he's trying to split the church. He does the same thing today. You got to beef with anybody else in this church. Your problem ain't with them. Your problem's with the devil. The devil's causing that stuff. The devil causes dissension. The devil causes bickering. The devil causes backbiting. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven is an abomination. He that soweth discord among the brethren, that's of the devil. It's an abomination before God Almighty. That is the devil's number one target. The quickest way to destroy a church is to get argument going on among the people. And, and that's what he's doing here. He's trying to, to destroy things, trying to, to tear it down. Jesus says, I've got other sheep in the Gentile world. I'm, I'm going to bring them in, into one so that all becomes one. Now, we know that Paul is God's man. Amen. And, and we know that he's got a backbone made out of some stuff. He's not afraid of anything or anybody. He's not afraid to tell the truth. He ain't worried about who might get offended over the truth. He's not worried about being politically correct. He's not worried about hurting your last little feeling if that's what the truth does. All he's worried about is putting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this is a very important trip that he's referring to, to Jerusalem, because it is to establish the oneness of the church and to remove Jewish law from the liberty of Christ. Jewish law has nothing to do with our salvation. Even the law of Moses. 
Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and great commandment. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That, that's the second. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. That means we keep those two, we'll keep the law, but we're not bound by the law. We're not subject to the law. We, we are in the dispensation period of grace. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that we are surrounded by grace. So Paul says, I was sent there by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Paul says, I, I went to tell them what it is that I'm preaching to the Gentile church. <clears throat> and he says, but, but privately to them which were of reputation. I told that's an important word. Lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So what that means is Paul talked to Peter, James, and John. Men of reputation. They were trusted men. They, they were the men there over the church. They, they were the solid Christians, if you will. It's men that Paul could pray with. It's men that Paul could have a conversation with about the goodness of God. It's men that, that, that Paul could, could converse with and, and they could talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there, there are those that, that talk about, well, Peter's opinion of Paul and yada, yada, yada. If you want to know Peter's opinion of Paul, you just recently read it in your daily reading in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter talking to Paul, he said, Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written to you. That's Peter's opinion of Paul. Peter has a Holy Ghost anointed opinion of the Apostle Paul. They're on the same page. They're on the same team. They're, they're doing a good work. Just one's working more for the Jew. One's working more for the Gentile. But even as we looked at, Paul never stopped loving the Jew. He never stopped preaching and trying to reach the Jew. But he was sent to the Gentile to make converse. So, so Paul says, I went there privately. I met with Peter, James, and John, and Barnabas and Titus was, was there with me. See, Paul understood the importance of going to the church leaders first, to, to go to the ones that already were men of reputation. They, they already had some pull within the church. They already had a, a platform, if you will. They already had an ability to speak to a crowd. It's important that they went there and established that first and don't go to the crowd first because a crowd can become a mob in just a few seconds. All it takes is just a couple of loudmouth know-it-alls that want to change something and get something started. And before you know it, they got somebody else mad. They really wasn't mad till they made them mad and, and a crowd can become a mob quick. So, so Paul says, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I went to the church leaders, to the apostles, and, 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 and they... they they met there. Now, one of the things we saw in the past couple of weeks in chapter one, Paul did not go there to get permission from the apostles. And Paul didn't go there to, to, to gain wisdom from the apostles. He didn't go there to, to, to learn the gospel from the apostles. Paul, Paul went there on a mission. Even had they not agreed, that's not going to hinder Paul or his teaching. He's not going to teach the gospel because a man agrees or disagrees he's going to teach what the holy spirit sends him to teach so he didn't need the endorsement of the the jewish leaders to to validate what what he was preaching but what he did need especially once they established that they're of the same gospel he needed them to go into that jerusalem church and put a stop to those troublemakers coming in he needed them to go ahead and put a stop to the people that are coming in and, and, and they're, they're, they're teaching law over liberty. 
They're teaching all this stuff about the law and, and circumcision. They were perverting the gospel. And Paul wanted to go to Jerusalem and put a stop to it. So here in our text, verse number four, he, he says, because of that, or that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out liberty, which we have in Jesus in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. In verse number five, to, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. False brethren. He says they claim Christianity, but they're counterfeits. A lot of that's alive and well today. The only other place that we even find that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is describing, remember when Paul describes all the perils that he went through, you know, um, and shipwreck and beating and all things. He's describing all the perils in chapter 2, verse 11, verse 26, and journeyings often, perils of water, perils of robbers, perils in mine own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea. And then he says, perils among false brethren. That's the only other time you, you find that word. Paul understands the difference between the real deal and the counterfeits. You know, counterfeit will always show up if you just give them a little bit of time. <clears throat> Paul understands the difference. He says, these counterfeits, he says, they're false brethren. And they're trying to sneak in like the snakes that they are. They came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection. No, not for an hour, Paul. So we didn't give them a minute. We didn't give them no time. <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't give them any room for their lives. See, Paul knows, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul knows about the law and the circumcision better than any of them. He, he is one of the most gifted students of Gamaliel. He is one of the most gifted students of, 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 the, of the cluster of the Pharisees and the Levites. Paul knows about the law more than any of them. He understands the contrast between law and liberty. He understands the, the, the contrast between legalism and mercy. So, so Paul, Paul he, he's already tried living that. We, we know that. When he was Saul, he's already tried living a godly life according to the law. And all that got him was a face-to-face -face confrontation meeting with Jesus Christ. who said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, Saul why, why are you? That, that's what trying to live according to the law got him from, from Jesus Christ. He says that there, there's no room for that. There's no room for the, 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 the false stuff. That they're teaching. So we, we gave them no room. He wasn't going to let a bunch of, uh, of hypocritical counterfeits ruin the liberty that Christ came to give us. Anybody thankful for the liberty you have in Christ? Anybody thankful your, your sin is erased to never be brought back? You don't have to keep going back and getting sheep and rams and lambs and keep going back to the high priest and keep going back over and over. Your, your past sin, your present sin, your future sin is erased before you ever do it. It's done. And, and Paul said, I'm not going to let them come in and, and reattach that to us because Christ has already given us liberty. He, he says that it offers no salvation to the sinner and it offers no sanctification to the saints. He says, I'm not having it. Verse number six, he, he sets the record straight about the other apostles. The Judaizers are, are at least using their name. They're using their memory. We've talked about how they went and said they sent us. He said, of these who seem to be somewhat 
Um, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. So basically, the, Judaite, the Judaizers, the, the, the legalistic guys, they're, they're saying our word comes from the real apostles, which we already looked at. That's also a lie. It's not coming from the apostles. They're, they're just using their name to back it up. But, but they're saying our witness comes from the ones who walked with Jesus. They're the real apostles. Our witness come from the ones that they saw the miracles and they heard Jesus teaching. That's where our stuff comes from. This man, Paul, you're talking about, he's nothing compared to them. We don't know about him. Now, this isn't between Paul and the other apostles at all. This is simply the lies of the counterfeit. Y'all know that liars don't mind lying, don't you? It don't bother them a bit. And, and y'all know that some people are professional liars and very convincing at it, right? So, so th th this isn't something between them. But nonetheless, Paul says, I'm not impressed by other men. God, 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 God's not favored to men. He says, they added nothing to me. There was nothing, even that the apostles, there was nothing that they could tell Paul about grace that he didn't already know. There's nothing they could tell Paul about mercy that he didn't experience in his own life on the road to Damascus. He knows as much or more about mercy from any of them. He went from being a murderer to a saint just like that because of that Damascus road experience. So it's not that they're going to teach him anything that he doesn't already know. They're not going to teach him anything about doctrine. We saw last week how he went away for the three years and spent time with the Holy Spirit. His doctrine is based on what, what God taught him. Now, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I know very thankfully we wouldn't have this book if Paul had been anything like me. But, but I, I was wondering if, if Paul... Maybe the Holy Spirit might have held his pen a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, <coughs> they're, they're basically saying, hey, these guys are bigger and better than Paul. They're the original apostle. We're listening to the real guy, this guy, Paul. He, he, he's nothing but, you know, Paul, Paul could have easily said, well, if they're the ones with Jesus, they're also the ones that Jesus sent to Jerusalem to wait for him there for the Holy Ghost. And they've done pretty good in Jerusalem. They don't mind hanging out around Jerusalem. But remember, they were sent to Judea too. And Judea is part of the homeland. They don't really mind going to Judea. But you remember, they were also sent to Samaria. And they don't like Samaritans. As a matter of fact, they didn't even go to Samaria. They didn't preach the gospel in Samaria. They didn't go down there and tell Samaritans about Jesus Christ. They heard that a revival broke out in Samaria. And because of that, John and Peter went down there to see if it was true. And, they, and, and anointed with the Holy Spirit down there. They, they didn't go down there and, and do the things. Acts chapter 8 verse 14 says, When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Paul, Paul could have said, why didn't they go down and preach gospel to start with? Paul, Paul could have said, well, if, if your guys are so much, they were sent to the uttermost parts of the earth to preach the gospel. Where are they at? Why are they all camped out over around the church at Jerusalem? I've been all over Asia. I didn't run into them anywhere. I've been doing camp meetings and revival. We ain't passed on the street not once. I hadn't seen no flashing sounds that where they've been holding no revival. I heard, I mean, he, he could have easily just said, where are they all at if they're such a... Y'all get what I mean? Like if somebody's using something to tear you down, it's, it's pretty fleshly to fire back into some fleshly stuff. But, but then Paul, Paul wasn't going to let them make this between him and them because it's not. They're on the same team. They're, they're, they're lying. He, he's not there 
to tear down the apostles, which are God's chosen men, but by the same token, he's not going to be belittled by them. He, he says, I, I got just as much God as they got. I, I got just as much salvation as, as they got. Now, one of the things that, that we could have seen, and, and I, I know we didn't because I didn't teach this, and this is probably about all I got time for, but you know when... We studied Acts of the Apostle for a long time. I mean, basically two years. And, and the first half was about basically about Peter and the last half was about Paul, right? Luke, he went out of his way to show us almost how exact they are. It, when, when, when Luke talked about Peter, he talked about Peter's first Gentile conversion. Y'all remember Cornelius? Y'all remember the cloth come down, have animals arise, kill and eat, not so, Lord, and never eat anything clean. Three times it happened. But, but then remember, prior to that, Cornelius was up here at Caesarea, and he had a vision that said, hey, send men down to Joppa for one sure name, Simon Peter. Peter down here has a vision about the cloth, and he says, Lord, that's not, I, I don't fool with anything unclean. And, and he tells him, there's some men coming from Caesarea to Cornelius' house. You just go with them. So he spent time to, to talk about how God sent him to Caesarea to talk about Peter's first Gentile convert. But, but then he also spent time to, to tell us about Paul's first Gentile convert, Sergius Paulus. Y'all remember that? He was the, the sergeant, the, the head over the Isle of Paphos we, we talked about. And, and he's the one, he had that, that sorcerer. What was his name? Somebody vile, vile. He had the sorcerer, was his handyman, the sorcerer that wanted him to give him the Holy Spirit at any rate. The sorcerer don't matter. He's not important, right? What, what matters is that, that he talked about Paul's first Gentile convert. He told us how Peter was visited by an angel and how the apostle Paul was visited by an angel. He told us how Peter healed a lame man and how the apostle Paul healed a lame man. He told us how Peter raised a man from the dead. And then he gives us a little bit of a comical story about how Paul raised a man from the dead. Remember the night he's preaching at midnight and old Eutychus fell out the window? It ain't midnight and I've been preaching that long. Y'all don't fall out yet. Give me Two more minutes, and, and then I'm going to take about three more after that. But, but remember, he, he told us about how, how Paul raised one from the dead. He, he told us about how Peter was, was miraculously delivered from prison and how the church was over there praying, Oh, God, get him out of prison. And the angel opened the door and led him out by the hand, and he knocks on the door, and the lady said, That's Peter. And he's like, Y'all lost your mind. He's in jail. Amen. That, that, that's the church. But, but then he also tells about how Paul and Silas was miraculously delivered from prison when they sang praises of God at midnight in a prison cell, beaten and bleeding, damp and chained to the wall in stocks and bond. And, and they're miraculously delivered. He, he gave us a, a lengthy picture of Peter's first sermon when thousands were saved there at Jerusalem. 3,000 souls, I think it was, was, was added to the body. And then he gives us a picture of, of Paul's first sermon. Remember he told us about how Peter walking down the road and that even the shadow of Peter passing by that people would be healed. But then he told us about the apostle Paul how from prison he would pray over handkerchiefs and they would send handkerchiefs out all across the land and all manner of sick was healed because of the handkerchiefs that, that came from Paul. He, he, he talked about when, when the men try, tried to, to praise Peter and, and lift him up and Peter wasn't having it. And he talked about when they tried to, to praise Paul and lift him up and they called him a God and, and he wasn't having it. They would not accept praise for themselves. 
that belong to God. I'm just saying, you can clearly see that Luke spent a lot of time showing us that these men are identical. These are powerful men of God, and they are by no means enemy, nor is there any contradiction between them. They are preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are just like you and I. We have a job to do, and that's to preach the gospel. We're not the enemy. In anybody in here, anybody in this church, or anybody from another church that you got any problem with, it's up to you to fix that. Your, your offering isn't any good. Your praise isn't any good. Your worship isn't any good until you fix that. He said, you bring your gift to the altar. To the altar. Somebody tell me what gift you've got for God that means anything outside of your worship. You have nothing that means anything to God but your worship. Nothing. Your gold don't mean nothing. Your money don't mean nothing. Your house don't mean nothing. All your stuff, God gave it to you, means nothing. You've got one thing that you can give to God that is of value, and that is our worship. He said, you come to this altar, and, and you want to worship me, and you got art amongst the brethren, you leave your gift there, and you go get that straightened out first. There is no room for dissension in the church. I ain't talking about just in Faith Baptist Church. I'm talking about among Christians, any church, anywhere, any Christian. There is no room for dissension among the brethren. And, and, and Luke and the Acts, I didn't see that when we were teaching. I didn't see it really until this week. But how he made a comparison of how equal these guys are, but they're powerful men of God. Well, well so are you. You're powerful men and, and women of God. We're just tools. We just have to, to be like him. They, they, they are simply powerful men of God used mightily by the hand of God to accomplish the will of God. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. If we listen to that same voice that he listened to, if we listen to that same revelation, that voice of God, and, and we get sent on a mission, we're on the same kind of mission Paul was sent on, we're on the same kind of mission Peter was sent on. God has no respect for persons. He sends you. He sends me just like he sent them. So at no point are they at odds with each other. At no point are they in competition. But by the same token, Paul makes it clear, I'm not belittled by them either. I'm not intimidated by them. I'm not inferior. I'm not secondary to them. I, I may be different, but my calling is the same, and my calling is sure. Verse number 9, it says that, that when James and Cephas and John, Cephas, of course, being Peter, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace that was given unto me, they, they gave to me and the Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. Now, Lord willing, I'm out of time um, we may not pick up there next week. Brother Noel, I noticed you didn't get a response back to that email, but Mr. Will Hill is supposed to be here as far as we know next Wednesday night. We will be next door. Y'all don't not come now. It's just a little smaller building. We get to act like we actually like each other. I mean, like, y'all get to sit close enough to see each other. That, that's going to be the only difference. We're going to be in a smaller building. We've got plenty of room. Plenty of chairs, but the children will be in here. It's no different than last year or the year before. The children will be in here practicing for the Christmas play, which will be on the 17th. And we'll just all be over there. Um, if anything comes up with, with Brother Hill, I'll be back in the book of Acts. And if he can make it and her back, I'll have expectations 
we do have one of our missionaries coming here to share some things with us. So I'm looking forward to having him in again. We've had this on the books for quite a while now, um, trying, trying to get him in. So I hope you guys be here next Wednesday night. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for this precious book, God. Thank you for your men that you used to write it. Holy men of God that spake. Put it down with a, with a, with a pen and paper, God, so that you might forward it to us right here tonight in LaGrange, Georgia, to make a difference in our lives, to teach us and to help us and to shape us, God, and to strengthen us, to mold us into what you'd have us to be. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. It is our desire to be exactly what you want us to be, nothing more, nothing less. May we live in a place called the center of your perfect will. We love you, God. Help us to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.